Welcome to the Learn Stage Lighting Podcast. This is the show where newcomers and professionals alike come to learn more about stage lighting. And now your host, David Henry. All right, friend, it's going to be a fun show today. Really excited because we get to talk lasers with Adam Rao from X Laser. It's going to be fun. Before we get into that, guys, a couple quick things. Obviously, here we're in the middle, uh, if you're listening to this later, of the COVID-19 great shutdown. I'm, I'm recording this about a week before it comes out, and so it's going to come out on April 7th, and it's March 31st right now. But regardless of what time it is, uh, this information is useful and uh, should be helpful to you. So today, guys, quick note here, a sponsor of our show during this COVID time is Amazon. That's right. LearnStageLighting.com slash Amazon is where you can go. You can help learn stage lighting by shopping through this link. And all that happens is uh, you don't get charged anymore. But part of Amazon's marketing budget goes towards us. It gives us a small commission back on everything you buy, not just lights, um, anything, even, you know, toilet paper. Um, And so if you guys are buying stuff on Amazon, I know a lot of people are during this time. You're not going out places. Just uh, bookmark this link and shop through it. And it's going to help out the show, help me to promote and make more free stuff for stage lighting. I would really appreciate it if you did it. It takes no extra effort on your part, no extra cost, and helps the show out a lot. LearnStageLighting.com slash Amazon. And now, let us begin our interview with Adam. We're going to be talking about how to use lasers with lighting, how to make a great laser show that complements, and actually, as we talk about, might um, be you know undistinguishable from your lighting. And so, how do we make a great laser show to go with our lighting? Um, so, I've got Adam Roth from X Laser here. Did I pronounce your name right? It's Rao, but it doesn't matter. Rao. No one has okay. ever pronounced it correctly the first time. It's like, man, you look at the spelling and it's just like, yeah, it could go Rao. It could go a couple different ways. It's, it's one of those German immigrants things always get changed at Ellis Island kind of kind of names, you know? Oh, okay. Interesting. Okay. Um, but Adam owns, owns right? Works for yep. and owns X-Laser, um, which I think is interesting because you started working there only how long ago? Uh, I started ago. as a part-timer back in uh, 2009, and it was just a, a afternoon job because I've, I've always been a bit of a workaholic, and I've always liked having a industry-related job because uh, at the time I was a fire alarm systems engineer as my normal day job. Oh. And uh, came in to start working at X-Laser part-time as a quality control technician. And then I saw that there were some really neat things that we could be doing to, to help move the product forward into a different space. And in uh, 2011, I came on full-time as the uh, production manager. And then uh, moving forward through there, I uh, came up to general manager. And I was working with the previous owner, Dan Goldsmith, up until uh, early 2016, actually Four years ago, as of tomorrow, um, I took over the company completely. Okay, cool. Awesome. Yeah, one of the things that I think I probably became aware of X-Laser probably around 2011, uh, and you've always been an interesting company because X-Laser really brings lasers and lighting together and kind of brings lasers to the people in the sense that previous to that, and even, I mean, since then, Sometimes I get on a show and there's lasers, you know, there's a laser gag or something, especially on a corporate show. And a lot of the times in the past and present, um, when lasers are brought out a show, it's like, okay, turn everything off. We're going to use the lasers. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't have to be that way. Yeah. I, I really appreciate you saying that the, the core 
mission of X Laser from its beginning in late 2007 has always been to just sort of make them more accessible, easier to use, and and really bringing lasers to people instead of bringing people to lasers. Uh, and I know that's that that sounds like it's uh, just double speak, but it's it's a very intentional direction to move in. We don't want you to have to, as a lighting person, have to learn an entirely new system, entirely new techniques and all that. It's our job to make the systems work as well as they can with your other lighting. A good friend of mine, Drew Hornback, he does a good amount of uh, warship work out of Tennessee, uh, DH Production Designs and uh, Harmonic Productions and Max 10 Lights. Um, he always says, you know, the, the moment that it's a laser show, you've lost. You've got to really mm -hmm. keep it tightly integrated with your lighting because at the end of the day, like a lot of your audience probably considers your beam movers <laughs> as lasers. Like there was, <laughs> yeah. there was a point um, about a year ago where we started working with a new marketing company, uh, just trying them out. And about half of the materials that they sent us that there were, there were stock photos and things like that. It was, it was terrible. They didn't work out, but about half the photos that they sent us weren't even of lasers. They were of movers and oh, no. yeah. <laughs> they, no they didn't know the, the difference. Like it's, it's, and a lot of your audience won't necessarily, they'll just know that one show feels like it's got more depth. One show feels like it's got more aerial texture than the other. Yeah, interesting. And so, yeah, that's where I think it's interesting because if we look at the history, because I'm learning more and more about lasers, you know, all the time and, and working with you guys. Actually, this is a good point to plug. Um, we did a video, um, thanks to you guys, um, of how to begin with lasers on YouTube. We'll have that in the show notes for sure. That is just really a good walkthrough of like, okay, how do I begin with lasers on a lighting show? Um, and I take people from, you know, you've seen it from, you know, basically thinking about using lasers to bringing it into a console. Um, yeah. Just on a basic level. I mean, it's a half an hour video, but it is fairly basic. Um, because I feel like a lot of this, as I dive into it and start to learn, learn more and more about it, is that for the longest time, you know, really pre-X laser, I think, because you guys were the first to do this. It was really hard to figure out how to get into the into the world of lasers. Um, like, there's this variance from the FDA, um, which actually isn't that scary, but it seems like it because it's really hard to figure out what it is, how to get it, and what it even does. Um, and we don't need to go into depth here. But what I kind of want to talk about is um, a couple things. Um, you know, first, um, how do we make lasers look good with lighting now that we've talked about okay it's not just turn off all the lights we're going to turn on the laser right uh, and i think part of that comes from you know the past where lasers weren't as bright as they are today is that true to a degree i mean there there are a couple different aspects of it one of them is the capabilities of the laser but realistically like yeah scan speeds are a little bit higher these days um lasers have slightly better modulation these days but even going back to the old uh, gas and ion laser days, they were really capable machines, like especially for aerial beam work. Aerial beam work is not nearly as taxing on the hardware as trying to do graphics or text or projection, things like that. Okay. Um, a lot of times you don't even like say you've got a system that has 40K, 50K, 60K scanners. So very, very fast. Um 
you may not necessarily want to run them that quickly if you're doing a aerial beam show. If you're doing an aerial beam show, you may only want to run your lasers at 15, 20, 30K. Um, and that, that refers to the speed at which the galvanometers move. If you have any questions about that, you can check out our uh, YouTube channel. We've got a video showing how lasers work that goes a little more in depth on that. Oh, yeah, we'll, we'll post that. That's a good one. Yeah, I've, I've watched that one. The uh, the slower the beam moves, the brighter it appears to the human eye. And that's one of the things that catches a lot of people off guard with, like, our DJ and club level product. It's not really as controllable as the production and, like, true stage lighting grade products. Mm-hmm. But it appears significantly brighter than its power level would suggest. And a large oh. part of that is because the beams are moving so slowly through the air relative to a high-end graphics-based laser that it's just so much brighter to the eye. Think of it as being like the, uh, the shutter speed on your camera. If you've got a slower shutter speed on your camera, more light is getting in. Whereas if you've got a higher shutter speed, less light is getting in on your camera and you're going to get a darker image. Okay, that's that's interesting. That's that's a lot of interesting points because it, it made me think back, actually, as a kid, we saw the um, Stone Mountain uh, laser show yeah. in Georgia. And, and you're right. I mean, that thing was bright, you know, <laughs> and that was a good while ago. I mean, that was like 20 years ago. Uh, yeah, and the technology for, for, for that show and others like it hasn't really changed a ton. I mean, the, the things have all gotten smaller and brighter and a little bit faster, but it's not like we're moving from the internal combustion engine to the electric car. There hasn't been that jump really since probably about 10, 15 years ago when things made the jump from gas and ion lasers to solid state lasers, where instead of needing three-phase power and water cooling and all that, everything is now air-cooled and you can just run it off 110 or 220. Um, that's really where the big the big split is as far as laser technology, but the output isn't dramatically different between the older technology and the newer technology. A lot of the uh, old school laser guys think that, and I, I think they're probably right in this, that old school gas and iron ion lasers um, produce better quality beams. PCAOMs, which are a really neat little piece of technology, it's basically a, a chunk of quartz that's uh, acting as an optical filter in order to split out certain wavelengths based on how you electrify it. That's a gross simplification, but it's it's really, really fast technology. Um, they produce really great-looking images, and the beams are super, super sharp. The color modulation is super quick. But who wants to lug around a four-foot <laughs> glass tube that's full of pressurized gas that you have to run a whole lot of power through? Like, it's it's not practical. Um, and that's part of what makes the, the modern... Why lasers are so much more prevalent right now is instead of having to move a 300-pound power supply, you're moving a 20-pound laser. Uh, it's a lot easier to set that up. Laserists are frequently uh, frowned upon on job sites as being uh, last in, first out, just because it's so quick <laughs> to set up and tear down the laser side of things compared to a whole bunch of movers. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Is This actually has me going on, on a couple thoughts where we can kind of talk about... Uh, lasers and lighting control because obviously what x lasers done is made it easier to control lasers from a lighting console but they're still inherently different 
in the sense that a laser that has full control of graphics and stuff, um, we still can't like put a graphic into our lighting console and make it pop out of the laser directly. And so that's why, um, just to kind of jump, you know, things here, um, I mean, we can go back, but that's why lasers often, you know, in the past and even in the present aren't always controlled by DMX or SACN, which is just, you know, DMX or ArtNet um, over a network because we can't in a lighting console yet, at least, really put an image onto a laser. Um, and so, I don't know, talk a little bit about that. Like, so lasers, you know, a good laser, obviously, that can do graphics and stuff. Uh, has the ability to make pictures and things. And so how do we do that? Nice little softball there. Yeah, so right now you don't really have the ability to upload direct from the console, although I think that we'll probably end up seeing that in the industry in the next year or two. Um, But realistically, the systems that are for control of aerial beam shows are very different from the systems for control for graphics and such, just because it lends themselves to multiple it lends themselves to different workflows. So if you're trying to do graphics and things like that, it's really nice to have strong timeline control. It's nice to have the ability to go and just move points a little tiny bit here and there. And that's the kind of thing where a keyboard and mouse or digitizing pad, that kind of thing, that's the kind of thing where a PC is really helpful to have in the chain. Um, Especially if you're just creating all that content and then when the show's going, all you're doing is triggering it from something else. So for something like that, using a program like uh, Penguin's Quick Show or Beyond or LaserGraph DSP or Mancha or uh, LSX, there, there are a couple other platforms out there. Okay. Um, wow. Didn't but realize using, there were that many. Yeah. Using a platform like that where it is the, the more traditional digitization sort of frame-by-frame style of animation – and uh, some some of the best artists out there are actually just doing everything in 3D Studio Max or Cinema 4D, and then porting it over to Beyond. Um, hmm. And that that's really effective for creating graphics and such. But when you're doing graphics, generally speaking, you're not using a bunch of lasers. You're not doing this. You're not doing graphics in combination with other lighting, uh, and that's why hmm. it's a completely separate system from if we were doing. The beam shows with like our Mercury controlled system, where with our Mercury system, there is no PC. There's no computer involved. Um, and this is for, for a couple different reasons. One is just scalability. It is a lot more interesting to have a larger number of smaller fixtures when it comes to lasers than it is just like one or two or three. And these laser show control systems, while they're very, very powerful, were designed years ago when it was common to only have a couple lasers. And so their workflows were based around a smaller number of systems. And that's why so many of the laser shows that you see from the last several years are a whole bunch of systems doing the exact same thing. It's not like with movers where you'll see, you know, a nice pan and tilt between systems or nice chases and cascades and neat interlocking effects where every system is getting independent control. A lot of the laser shows that you've seen in the past have been every laser doing the same thing or maybe two or three different things spread across them. Our system was built so that you would have direct control over every single fixture, just like you would with movers, uh, straight from your console without having to worry about scalability. It's no harder to scale 
to use a larger number of laser systems using our mercury control system than it is if you're doing with a moving head or something like that. Um, the okay. other reason is yeah. reliability. PCs have come a long way since the days of Windows 3.1. Like, reliability is not nearly as big an issue as it used to be, but there's not a week that goes by where you don't see in one of the, the Facebook groups for, for lighting <laughs> of, oh my God, Windows updated five minutes before the show. What's going on? You know, and companies like MA Lighting, Elation, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, Obsidian for Onyx, um, Avalite, yeah, Campsys. <laughs> These folks spend more just on the reliability of their consoles each year than any laser show company could do on the reliability of their software ever. Like, it's just, it's purely a matter of scale. There's so many more console systems out there that are built for reliability because, you know, if it doesn't work, you don't get paid. Then... Yeah. PCs ever are. And that's a large part of why we try to take the PC out of the equation for those beam shows is just for that greater reliability. I see. So for the most part, for most uh, applications that have lighting that aren't, you know, basically built as a laser show, um, it's going to be a beam type thing. It's not going to be lasers projected um, from, you know, in front of the stage, you know, onto the stage. It's lasers that are sitting on the stage pointing out towards the audience. Yeah, 95% of the applications of lasers in entertainment are going to be aerial beam shows. Awesome. And so and so at that point, that's where um, this mercury and stuff comes in instead of the old school, the ILDA type control. Not only are the cables you know, terribly expensive. And Whose huge. idea oh. was it to have a fish hook shaped cable? I want to know that. Nobody likes pulling ILDA cables. <laughs> <laughs> so tell me about that, actually. Just curious, because I know you're very technical and you understand this. Like, does it use all the pins or does it use most of the pins in that connector? So the, the ILDA specification uses the majority of the pins, but okay. almost no projectors out there use all of the pins or even use it to the full ILDA specification. So it's okay. things like there, there are some provisions that are in there for the, the, the standard was developed and published in, I think 92 or 94. I don't, I don't remember. Um, but the, there were some things that were put in there for future use, like the Z axis coordinate, the idea being, okay, someday in the future, stereoscopic 3d laser projectors are going to be commonplace and that never really materialized. So there's no point in using those conductors when that doesn't really exist in any in, in any mainstream laser projector. Then there are some things where it's a more common implementation to go one way than the original specification. So like the color channels. Through this cable, you've got red, green, and blue. And the standard is, okay, you're going to use differential color signaling. So you've got ground, and then you've got a plus signal and a minus signal, just like with DMX. So it can do some sort of uh, error correction through the line just to simplify a bit. Yeah, um, yeah. But almost nobody implements it that way. They're, the vast majority of systems that are out there aren't using differential color signaling. They're only using ground and the positive leg as opposed to comparing the positive and negative leg versus ground. But on the scanner side, so you, you move the X mirror and the Y mirror, uh, that does use differential signaling because it is a significantly more sensitive signal to noise coming through the signal or noise coming through the line. 
So you want to make sure that you do have all the advantages of differential signaling there. Um, okay, and, then, and and a safety, right? I mean, yeah, if absolutely. It glitches and shoots way out of its range where it's supposed to be. That could be a safety issue. Yeah, absolutely. And there are safety safety signals built into that cable as well. There's a basic interlock loop, but that's where it gets kind of weird because while all the reputable manufacturers respect that interlock loop, that interlock loop isn't really meant to be an emergency stop. It's just meant to be a signal of the presence of whether or not that cable's even plugged in. Um, okay. But there are yeah. some places that completely ignore it. There are some places that treat it as an e-stop, and it's it gets... It gets a little hairy. The, the short version is just that everybody is sick of dealing with this very expensive, unpleasant to run cable that has limited applications. I mean, that nobody, there are so many instances where you would use lasers where you need more than a 300 foot run. Okay. And so that's a limitation of it. Got it. Yeah. You can't really do that with ILDA. I mean, y- you can, I've done up to a 2000 foot run before just to see what it, what it was like yeah and you get some some noise issues but nothing you know completely horrible but the specification and for good reason is to keep it below 300 feet because you know when we set up 2000 feet in our lab it's not going to be nearly as aggressive and harsh an environment as if you're doing it next to three phase ac you know running on the side of the stage where people are pushing carts over your wires yeah yeah exactly Exactly. Okay, so that's why why we don't. Uh, it's it's interesting actually with Ilda why we don't love it anymore. Um, I didn't realize like I knew there were all those pins, and so of course it does something. Um, but it's just interesting because you've got you know before that actually DMX is older. Mm-hmm. They figured out it's like okay they designed it to just use two pins in a ground. Uh, yeah. But and. Uh, and Ilda takes up a whole lot more than that. I don't know how many it is. Is it like 25 pins or something? I don't know. It's the 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 cable's 25 pins. I don't recall off the top of my head, but I think most projectors actually implement I think it's tw- I think it's 12. I might be mistaken there, but I think the most common implementation is is using 12 conductors. Um, oh man! So but you're it's all saying we could have, yeah, we could have used VGA connectors the whole time, but then that would be a whole. That's why DMX doesn't <laughs> use three pin, you know, kind of debate. Yeah, <laughs> the original spec for the uh, ILDA connector was actually like a thirty-six pin circular military connector that, of course, it, it's just so expensive that nobody wanted uh, to deal with it. Ah, <laughs> uh, because it's like okay, that kind of makes sense, but then it becomes expensive like an audio multi-pin or something and yeah and uh that had significant cost to the products and then people don't use it etc that's no fun yeah and the big reason why dmx wasn't wasn't even though like you say dmx is older than than ilda the big reason why it wasn't more prevalent when it comes to lasers is just because it's a completely different mindset for a lot of folks the vast majority of the laser community had come up from Okay, the way that you control a laser back back in you know the 70s and 80s was you had an analog control console. So obviously you're going to want to put out analog voltages in order to directly control the laser. The analog control consoles, like uh, if you want to see a modern version, uh, look for the the Z5 by uh, uh, Aldebaran Systems, a guy named uh, David Zercher, super smart guy, super nice. Um, he makes a modern version of one of the uh, older analog laser system controllers. Uh, there's also the 
radiator coming up from Neon Captain, which is a completely digital version of an old analog console. But uh, they basically had, you know, banks of oscillators and you would set your frequencies and everything completely manually using just knobs and switches in order to make funny shapes. Um, I, I like to refer to it as two billion ways to screw up a circle. Basically just <laughs> taking a circle and then adding some oscillations and, and frequency modulation to it in order to make it a lot more visually interesting. And all these systems, all, all these signals when they came out of this console were completely analog. So it made a lot of sense to standardize laser projectors around analog inputs. And the laser industry had been small for so long that there was really no need to try to update it to a digital standard just because, you know, why bother with the conversion? It's a, such a niche industry. Um, and the ILDA organization has implemented since a digital version of the uh, ILDA standard protocol, but it's, it's not seen wide adoption yet. But the main reason why they never made it really to DMX was... As far as they saw DMX, it was just a collection of 8-bit values. You're just looking at, okay, so I've got a bunch of fader values. How can I even apply that? Um, and it took, uh, it took some, some real creative genius on the part of uh, Andrew Barry, our, our chief technical officer and, and development genius, um, who just won one winter over Christmas break. We shut down between Christmas and New Year's, and he came back and he said, hey, look what I did. Look at this. And he had <laughs> developed a system for how to intelligently control a laser like a moving head. It, it, it's like nothing else that's ever been out there before. There have been other attempts at controlling lasers with DMX, and it was just nothing else has been as intuitive and straightforward as this. After that initial demo, it still took us two years to, to truly develop it into a, the, the product that it is now and, and the, the power that it is now. But, uh, yeah, he, he literally knocked out the prototype proof of concept for this thing in a week. Interesting. Yeah, it's actually interesting to think about that, like the early days of ILDA versus DMX, because if yeah, if you think about it, like I think about when I started in, in this industry, it's like, oh yeah, we were just using all these consoles with rows of faders on them and submasters, yeah. and we didn't have the ability to choose colors and stuff because, well, the lights, most of them couldn't do that anyways, and so what was the point? Yep. Um, and so at that point, it's like, okay, that's why lasers kind of took a different road, Um but it's a really interesting it's a that you. Different. It's really interesting that you bring that up, actually, because my, uh, I had a little bit of a break. I've been in this industry continuously, like doing other things, but I had a bit of a break on the lighting side. Um, the last console that I, had, the last lighting console I had used prior to us starting to work on this uh, DMX laser control system was the ETC Obsession Two. Ah, oh, yeah. And that was, you know, that was a cool console and all that, but it was, it was nothing compared to. The next console I, I had the chance to mess with, which was the uh, the Avalites Titan software, um, when we first came back, when we when we started That's a bit doing of a jump. yeah the DMX side of things, I had no idea how far lighting control consoles had come in the past ten years. Like it's been it's been insane, man. I guess twenty years, <laughs> uh, but it's, it's been uh, it's been insane, man. Just the the jumps in. Yeah, color pickers, but also shape generators and just the ability to handle so many parameters. Like the concept of, oh, yeah, this desk can handle 16 universes, no problem, was in completely incredible to me. We had lighting designers when we were doing the initial research for this telling us, oh, yeah, don't worry about parameter count. We got tons of parameters. 
and I just couldn't believe it. I remember like, you know, back in, in the year 2000, 2001 thinking, oh man, who's ever going to use more than four universes? This is crazy. Yeah. 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 There were a lot of one universe shows then and now there's um, not. Yeah. You know, that's, yeah, it's interesting. Where was I thinking about going for that? Oh, so Mercury. So we're getting into Mercury a little bit. And this brings up a good point. Um, I'm going to air this on the 7th of April, um, I think. Yeah, the 7th of April, next week. Um, and you guys have an X-Laser Design Challenge. Um, a, if you're here, you're not working right now, or you've got free time um, b- between now and April 30th, X-Laser is doing a little design challenge. Why don't you tell us about that? Yeah, so it's just a, a friendly, good-natured thing where... Uh, With a price. The idea, yeah, there is a prize. The idea is that there are so many incredibly talented people right now that are bored out of their skulls, including a large number of my own staff, to be completely honest, who are just, you know, they're stuck at home and that's, they, they need an outlet. So we decided to uh, do a little design challenge where there is a prize at the end. So we're going to have, basically, you, you create a video um, using your visualizer. You don't have to have any lasers. You get uh, the ability to do this completely free using a combination of the capture demo, and we have demo files that you can use so that you don't have to completely keep recreating things. And if you don't already have a uh, console software, you can go ahead and use something like Obsidian's Onyx, which uh, David has excellent videos on how to use that. That's actually, before he and I had really spoken, I had used his videos to learn how to use Onyx myself. Um, they're a really great set of tutorials. I highly recommend them. Thank but you. Uh, you can use Onyx and the demo of Capture to completely for free with our Accelerate tool, visualize lasers and create a little show. So you just create a one to three, one to four minute show Submit it to us, and then we're going to have a, a panel of independent judges. So, you know, there's no no favoritism or anything like that on the part of uh, the people who work here. But our independent judges will watch the shows, and then whoever they decide is the, the winner of the shows gets a free Skyrider HPX M2. So it's a 2-watt laser, uh, good for nightclubs, ballrooms, that kind of thing, but not so bright that it's dangerous in your house. Um, <laughs> that... Uh, it's about a, the, the whole package ends up being about a $2,500 value. So it's just a, a fun little thing to get people engaged creatively while we're all stuck at home. Exactly. Especially in a time where yeah, people don't, people aren't going to go out and buy one of these things right now, just due to the uncertainty. Yeah. And um, we honestly don't want them so. to like, we're not, you'll notice that we're not pushing discounts and sales because that's kind of predatory. Like it's, I oh, don't, totally. I don't really totally. like seeing some of the other companies out there that I won't name that are pushing major discounts and just saying, buy now, buy now. Like that's, that's kind of lame, but this is just a fun way for us to, for completely free, don't spend a dime, engage your brain a bit and have some fun. Totally. Totally. Very cool. Thank you guys for doing that. It looks like fun. And um, that reminds me that I actually do need to install Accelerate and play with it because I haven't actually done that myself yet, but I, I really need to. Yeah, it's um, it's pretty cool. Just to, not not to come off as a sales pitch here, but just to tell people real quick what Accelerate is. A sales is. pitch for a free product? Yeah, exactly. It's I'm the only, I, I keep telling my design team, I am the only person in the world that's ever paid for Accelerate. <laughs> <laughs> but um, yeah, Accelerate is a completely free program that allows you to do a couple things. 
One, it allows you to manage the content pack that you load into your lasers. So we've got 450 gobos, but using Accelerate, you can add your own gobos to the laser, no big deal. Um, it allows you to uh, do pre-visualization with lasers for completely free. So there is no other company out there that allows you to do free previs. You have to at least buy additional software in order to make that work. Here, if you just want to play with lasers and don't want to spend any money on software, any money on hardware, you just download this tool and it allows you to connect to Capture, Realizer, WYSIWYG, or Depends in order to pre-visualize lasers. The third thing, and this is coming out next month, um, we actually, uh, so our systems are capable of some fairly, fairly advanced RDM, con RDM configuration control. Um, okay. Very cool. And my development team got kind of frustrated with the fact that there really doesn't seem to be a good RDM tool out there. Um, a lot of the ones that are out there don't really follow the standard. A lot of the ones that are out there don't have the best user interface. So uh, we've got coming out in the next month for completely free a um, whole new version of Accelerate that does extremely robust RDM for not just our lasers, but any RDM-compatible fixture, including RDM over ArtNet, where compatible. Um, and we've been testing that with a lot of other fixtures from folks like Chave, Elation, Swisson, people like that. Um, and it's it's really neat stuff. Interesting. So from a laser perspective, I'm just because I haven't thought about this, um, what what benefits does using RDM provide? Which is just to give a basic example, it's the ability for the light to talk back to the control, the console or a computer and tell from afar things about the light. Yeah. Um, so at the change settings that you would normally have to go to the menu and change. And so is it just for changing settings or, or what is it in the laser world? Sure. So there are a couple different things. The laser specific side of it is doing things like setting safety zones or doing really weird advanced zoning. So we okay. like to make sure that when you're running a show, you're running it directly from the console. You're not using any other software. You're just running it straight from your lighting desk. But for setup, sometimes setup is absolutely simpler to do on a PC where you can, you know, click and drag or set up weird zones that bend around corners and, and do arches and things like that. So that allows you to go ahead and on the laser, create these really unusual zones, saves them into the physical hardware so that that accelerate tool just goes away. You're not relying on it to be around during your show. On the yeah. more traditional and side of great. RDM, yeah. yeah. On the more traditional side, the laser can also do things uh, over RDM that other fixtures can do, like changing the personality, just changing some of the basic network settings, things like that as well as just doing identify. So every single laser by law has a white emission indicator on the front of it. But if you've got 20 lasers up and you just need to know, okay, which one am I adjusting right now? You just hit identify and that light blinks, whereas all the others will stay solid. Um, just little, little things, a whole bunch of little quality of life stuff that speeds up the whole process of getting moving. Because at the end of the day, we want to be the fastest to implement laser system out there. And uh, this is just another way to do that. It'll also help you with your other RDM enabled fixtures for doing things like configuring personalities, you know, inverting your pan and tilt on fixtures, that, that kind of stuff that you can do remotely. 
Interesting. Very cool. So this gets me so excited about lasers. I gotta, I gotta take you up on your offer to borrow a mercury laser one of these times. Cause, we'll um, get it to you. I got a bunch in the warehouse right now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we'll chat about that after the show, actually. Because yeah, right now it's like it's finally getting to the point here where it is um, time stamp. It is the last day of March, um, where it's like this whole COVID thing and the shutdown started coming, and I got like super busy just with manufacturers contacting me and individual people contacting me and my students, you know, asking a lot more questions than normal. Um, yep. Just because people have time on their hands. Yeah. Um, but now it's finally starting to like chill out a little bit back into normalcy where it's like, okay. Um, because I had things that I was going to do during this time anyways. Uh, <laughs> right. I had plans. I had things to record and whatnot. Um, and so we're finally starting to get back to that normalcy where I'm like, okay, okay. I could get something and, and play around with it. Um, and, because mercury, okay, so let's let's define mercury a little better for people. Sure. Um, because we haven't we've talked about it a good bit, but we haven't really said what the heck it is um, and explained it. And so we've talked about what well, we talked about earlier, ILDA, and putting graphics on the lasers and how that doesn't really work. Um, but one thing you mentioned actually that we'll talk more about is with accelerate and mercury. You can, and this is probably so many technical terms, hopefully folks listening are not getting confused, but this is where we're going to explain things, what we're talking about. You can put custom gobos into Accelerate for the lasers. So that almost allows you to make some images. And so, anyways, what what's Mercury? Sure. So Mercury is our laser control system that we're building into all of our production and stage grade lasers right now. Um, it is designed from the ground up to allow you to treat a laser like a moving head and control it just like a moving head. It's inherently very simple and, and it's one of those like, why hasn't anyone done this before kind of ideas um, where once you use it, you're like, that's it. This is great. This is so easy. <laughs> yeah. um, it's, we frequently find that after like 10 minutes of just messing with it, any lighting designer is already better at making laser shows than we are. We're, we're engineers, we're builders. We're not, we're not artists here at X laser. Um, so if you already know how to use a console, you're already better at making laser shows than we are. That's just the, the nature of giving control and getting control out of the way, letting you just create. And that's, that's really what we went for there. Um, yeah, with Accelerate, you can add gobos. Realistically, almost nobody's doing it. Um, we've talked to a ton of lighting designers who are using our Mercury-equipped systems, and they're telling us, hey, it's great that you put 450 gobos in there and that I can add my own. I use about 12. Yeah. And the reason that they tend to use about 12 is it's not like a mover where you've got a set number of gobos and then you can only do maybe color change and rotation, sometimes animation with some of them. It's every single gobo that's in there. You have the ability to do zoom on the X and Y axis independently. You have the ability to run them through 12 different digital prisms. You have the ability to change the spacing and size of those prisms you have the ability to add waveforms and motion effects. So, so like sine waves and square waves and radial waves through each of these gobos. Each one of these gobos is rotatable. Each one of these go gobos is indexable. Each one of these gobos can be animated. Each one of these gobos, you can do 
colors that are not just a solid color override. You can do gradients. You can do not just linear gradients, but radial gradients where it starts one color in the center and emanates out. You can do things like put a field of, a field of light out there through a gobo through a prism and then take the color. And even though the gobo and the beam are staying in one spot, move the color through it. Like Ooh, there yeah. are so many incredible possibilities for things that the laser is physically capable of that moving heads aren't capable of just due to the, due to the nature of how the light's generated, that it allows you to get some really incredible effects through the air that what, what some of our lighting designers like uh, David Summers uh, on the uh, August Burns red tour, almost every single laser cue that he had on that tour didn't look like a laser cue. It looked mm. like a lighting cue that you have no clue how the heck he made it. Because the <laughs> whole point was not really to make it feel like a laser show. The whole point was to have a different type of lighting, an additional tool in the box. And, and that's one of the things that makes me the happiest about the system is that when we see it being used, it's almost never that all the lights drop and it's just the laser's moment. It's almost always in concert with other lighting because, in our opinion, lasers are lighting and should be treated as such. It's just another tool in the box. Yeah, it's super interesting, actually, just thinking about that, how you were describing the gobos and stuff, which reminds me why um, I'll definitely get get into Mercury here and playing around with it. Um, because it's like, well, it is a light, but it's kind of that blend of video projector and light in the sense um, that it has parts of both worlds, right? Like, it's kind of got the ability... It, the laser itself could make images and can make images like a projector, but then it shoots graphically more like a light. Yeah, it can, but I'll be honest, like, if you're trying to do graphics and things like that, it's not the right tool for the job. Um, if you're trying to do graphics and such where you need that, like, living neon... For the time being and, and foreseeable future, the systems that are out there that are already designed for that, such as Beyond or LaserGraph DSP or LSX, something like that, which are all compatible with our laser systems. Anything that's Mercury capable is, is also compatible with those systems. Okay, um, cool. That control is better for that kind of thing because that's what it was designed for. But if you're trying to do aerial beam shows, things like that, which are the most common usage of the laser systems... Um, it's really the the beauty of Mercury is that it literally is treating it just like a moving head. It is it is very fast and simple to control using your existing programming. People are doing things like using the effects that they've built for their Mac Vipers and just applying it directly to the Mercury systems and getting really great results out of it. Awesome. Very cool. See, so that's that's what's interesting is that Mercury kind of, as you guys say, you know, as you said from when you created it. It's really this hybrid of getting the f almost the full control of what the laser can do. Not quite, but, mm -hmm. but as much as the lighting person wants anyways. And uh, getting that out of the laser. What we really wanted to do was build a socket set. Everything is right there in its exact spot, and it is quick and easy to grab, and it is very, very good at that specific task. But and that's, that's you're not going to use the yeah. socket set as a hammer, or at least you shouldn't. Yeah, you shouldn't. You do and you break your sockets. Um, but regardless, <laughs> um, that's actually a really good point. Something that I run into a lot teaching people, especially people that are learning Onyx, is like, 
you don't need every tool that's in the toolbox to make a great show. Right. You just need enough tools to make interesting lo- enough interesting looks, and then you can learn the rest if you want, but it might just confuse you more. Yeah, I mean, it's really it's really about mastering what's worth mastering. I mean, yeah, there's there's merit in being a jack of all trades. There's merit in being able to do a little bit of everything. Um, and you know, it, you and I as business owners have to do that. A lot of, a lot of the people who use our products are business owners and they're used to having to be like a jack of all trades and being good at a lot of things. But the whole point with our products, we, we try is focus. We try to make sure that whatever we're doing, it's going to be the best at that. And that's one of the reasons why, to be to be completely frank, the laserist community doesn't yeah. really like us that much. Um, I I have heard that, and you know, I put out my video, and yeah, you get some replies on the YouTube. <laughs> yeah, get some comments. Like they, they're they're not fans of two things. They're not fans of limited systems that are meant to be limited because that's what's faster and more accessible, mm-hmm. and they're not fans of making lasers more accessible to people. Um, some of their concerns, like the safety concerns, are completely valid, and we do more than anyone else in order to do safety training for things like and things like that for people. But some of their concerns are simply, what are you trying to do? Let people run lasers off of lighting consoles. This, this is this is, they just don't like it. <laughs> well, yeah. Anytime you break up a paradigm or a thought process that's been there for you know thirty years. Um, you're going to get some some flack from it, right? Yeah. Some people are, are going to be unhappy because it's like, but we've been doing it like this for so long, you know? How could you, you know, this can this, is, this, is this even possible? So I have but, a screenshot printed yeah. off above my desk of a comment that we got a couple years back where uh, oh boy. A, uh, a laser person a couple years ago was saying, I remember when getting a variance used to mean something, now it's easier than getting a Costco card. He was very upset that we made it that simple, but I'm I'm very proud of that. Yeah, that's great because I mean at the end of the day, like I, I thought going into it that a variance was more complex than it really is. It's not all that much. Like it's just a permit to be able to run lasers. It's not um you don't have to pass like a complex test or anything like that. Um it's it's not a guarantee that you won't be unsafe. It's not a guarantee that if you do something stupid, people won't come after you. You know, it's really just a permit. Like it's it's not. Uh, yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's not um, overcomplicated. And so yeah, so as we're kind of um, we've talked about oh man, so many good things. Uh, but um, do you have any thoughts or tips? Kind of okay. So somebody's getting into lasers. And with X Laser, this is what I love too. Is you know you've got on your website, you can go there, you can see the prices for things. Of course, you know talking to a dealer is always a good idea, especially yeah. if you're buying multiple units, because a manufacturer like you can't advertise lower than MSRP or sometimes map pricing on their site um, in order to protect those dealers uh, who are looking at the bigger picture um, when they're making a sale. Is it multiple units? Is there a long-term relationship, et cetera? Um, but you can still get an idea of what these things cost from X Laser's website. And it's kind of interesting because I talk about lasers. I say, hey, it's something interesting you could put into your show. Um, it's not for the very entry level, but it, they're also not as expensive as you might think. 
Um, you can start with, like, I've got this Caliente Aurora that you guys sent me. That's under $1,000. Um, there's a whole series of these Auroras uh, that each have their own strengths in them. Yeah, and Some once you start getting into the, the production-grade lasers, you'll find that their price price point is on par with production-grade moving heads. It's just sort of where where they fit into the, the scheme of things. Um, and That's yeah, you can buy it, yeah. from our website, but like like you said, absolutely recommend going through a dealer. You'll be able to get better pricing through a dealer. It's very important to us that we do not compete with our customers, and that includes our dealer network. Um, the pricing on our website is primarily just meant to be a guide. Yeah, it's informational. If you're looking at making a big purchase, it gives you an idea of what it's going to be approximately. Um, but even, I mean, on this Mercury stuff, so there's the Mobile Beat Mercury, which I've never seen in person. Um, but that one's only 2000 bucks, um, and it's got the full Mercury control. So instead of just simple DMX control, which can do some cool things, you get that full moving light like control. And it's how much it's, okay, it's 500 milliwatts, so it's half a watt of uh, led yeah and and it's not much more honestly to go up to the two watt version uh if you call around to the dealers you'll find that it's it's only a couple hundred dollars to go up to the two watt version of the same product um for for a lot more power but the same control and we we don't we don't limit the control for the entry level product uh with the mobile beat mercury over the you know super expensive, you know, 20, 30, 50 watt product. The control is the exact same across the line as long as the Mercury control system is built in. And that's what's interesting because now a lighting person could program with Mercury on a computer um, through the visualizer, through Accelerate for free. And they could program for different shows, you know, clone over programming from old shows and use completely different lasers. Um, But as long as they're all Mercury lasers, then it's going to look the same except brightness, right? Exactly. Yeah. All the controls can be the exact same. You'll be able to port it over directly, which also makes it really nice for if you're not looking to purchase, but you're a designer that's, you know, messing around with accelerate and such, you decide you want to rent them for a show. Um, We have a network of production companies across the country that we work very closely with to make sure that everyone's, you know, keeping fair rental rates and treating each other well. And we trust them because we've worked with them ourselves and uh, we've got a whole network of people that we refer folks out to. So come to us if you want to rent lasers for your show and we'll send you to a local partner that we've vetted and worked with. Okay. Interesting. Cause I knew you guys did rentals. And so now that's like, you don't do it personally, but you're just the connector. Yeah. Uh, so we have, which we is have a, a rental thing. page on our website that it, we, we process the rentals and run the rentals through us sometimes but the it, it's it's always coming through one of our partners because again we don't compete with our customers, um, yeah. so we always make mm-hmm. sure that it's going through a local production company. Yeah. Okay. So I've just gone to the rentals page. Um, in this downtime too, if you guys are sitting around, your rental lineup says 2018 on it on this page. <laughs> I gotta, so, gotta update that for sure. It's just the thing, you know. Yep. Maybe they cost more. Maybe not. Um, there's a good chance they might. The cost pricing a is more. the same, but uh, oh, yeah, that's awesome. It's still gotta update that. Yeah, <laughs> but but that's a cool thing too that you guys do rentals, so you don't necessarily have to buy this stuff. But like we were saying, it's literally about the same cost as a moving light, and so I kind of tell people like. Okay, if you've got, you know, eight, ten decent moving lights and you're looking to add something new to your show, you might want to look at lasers. Below that point, 
you know, it might not make the most sense for you. One of, one of the things that we have seen is, uh, particularly in the worship market, um, they'll actually replace a number of movers with a laser. Because even if they're only with the laser doing nothing but circles, with the laser you can do six or 12 circles that each look like a mover. And okay, they yeah. each have their own independent pan and tilt and all that. So you can do this very large feeling ballyhoo out of a system or two systems, whereas you would have had to have six or 12 movers on that same rig before. Interesting. Yeah, because that's an interesting point, having seen a lot of this stuff in person and uh, the showcase you guys did, um, you know, near the LDI trade show, um, I guess is the best way to put it, last year, um, really showed it off well that, yeah, the beam of the light can move, of the laser can move. Um, even though the laser doesn't physically move, you know, the, the head of it isn't technically moving. It's more like, I guess, a scanner, um, a moving light scanner in a sense, in that the beam still moves around, um, the light can still move. Yeah, X but I mean, y. it's to the, your audience, it's the same. And that's the thing is... is That's the big key, yeah. Like, yeah, lighting people are going to be able to tell the difference between pan and tilt on a head versus on a set of mirrors. But the audience just sees the beams moving through the air and they love it. Yeah, they don't care. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Very cool. Well, I feel like that kind of wraps up the show. Um, we talked about a lot of good stuff here. Of course, guys, xlaser.com and all the links we've mentioned will be in the show notes that you can see along this podcast, wherever you get it from. Um, anything else that you, you think uh, we should chat about quick or uh, you think we covered it pretty good, Adam? No, I think we covered it. I just wanted to say thank you for having me on and thank you for everything that you do for the community. Um, you know that education is really important to us at xlaser. I haven't been in the laser industry for that long. And if it wasn't for some other fantastic laser people that are, were willing to share their education, um, check out photonlexicon.com if you want to see a great source of laser information. Um, but thank you for doing so much to further education in this industry. It's really the people who are open with knowledge that are moving everything forward. Uh, and I appreciate you doing it. Awesome. Thank you. Yeah. As you know, it's, no, it's, um, it's not always easy, but yeah, I try to give as much as I can. Okay. So photon lexicon, that's a forum. Okay, cool. We'll, we'll include that in there. Um, definitely nerd into that and waste all my time doing that. <laughs> yeah. That's a, they can be a bit of a rabbit hole. So just, uh, be, be forewarned, but those people are super, super helpful, super nice. Um, and I, I highly recommend that anyone that's in the lasers, at least check them out. Okay. Very cool. We'll send people that way. Cool. Awesome. 